0: Well, this morning I want to, uh, to complete and to conclude a series that I've entitled To Be or Not To Be. Is that really the question? In my first message, I read from Hamlet that famous question, to be or not to be. Ultimately, he's asking you know, to live or to die, which is better? And then he goes on to talk about really both sides of the coin, and as I've said before, life is indeed a, a blessing and a gift. It is something that is to be cherished. But like anything else, life is something that, that needs to be lived with purpose. And it's so important for us in life to, to really seek out and to understand what that purpose is. And so we, we talked about how the question to be or not to be is really not the question that needs to be asked. I believe there are deeper questions that we need to consider. Questions that will help us to reflect upon the purpose and meaning of the life that we are living. For our text, we've been looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. It's the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And Let me take a moment to read that portion of scripture to you once again today. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. For each temptation, there was a a main point that I wanted you to take home with you as we we thought about the purpose of, of life As Jesus was tempted to turn the the stones into bread, I mentioned this. I said, life is about more than simply satisfying our human appetites. We talked about how bread can feed the body for a day, but the bread of life can feed the soul for eternity. Secondly, Satan tempted Jesus by telling him to throw himself down from from the highest point of the temple to see if the angels would indeed catch him and prevent him from from hurting himself as it declared in Psalm 91 verses 11 to 12. I kind of looked at this point a little bit differently. And it talked about how the temple area would have been a place that would have been full of people. And for Jesus to, to somehow go along with what Satan was saying and to, to cast him down from the temple in front of all of the people at that point would have caused really quite a scene where the people would have begun really at that moment to begin to praise and to worship and to be in awe of who Jesus was. And the second point that I shared in that message was life is about much more than simply winning the applause Of people. We talked about in this message how it is indeed much better to live for the smile of God than it is simply living for the applause and the approval of man, because ultimately, one day we're going to stand before Him and Him alone. Now, this morning, I want to take a few moments to look at the third temptation Matthew 4 8 to 10. It says that the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all of their splendor. And he says, all of this I will give you. Everything that you see can be yours if you do but one thing, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him Only just think about that statement, think about that temptation. All this I will give you, all the kingdoms of the world, it can be yours if you but bow down and worship me. Now, first of all, this morning, let me begin by simply saying that Satan is a liar. Not one amen in the building. Satan is a liar. Satan is a con man, he is a deceiver. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said this about Satan. He said, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. Ouch! You know, that's quite a rebuke, isn't it? Now, I've heard some people say about other people before, how do you know when they're lying? Do you know it? Their lips are moving. Quite a rebuke, really, isn't it? But that's what Jesus is saying about Satan. When he lies, he is speaking his native tongue. That's his language. That's his realm. That's his speech, he says, because he is a liar. And not only is he a liar, he says he is the father of lies. And you know what? In this temptation, Satan isn't concerned the least about what he's promising Jesus. The truth is, it's not even Satan's to promise. It's not even Satan's to, you know, to say all this I will give you. He's not the creator, he's not the ruler, he's not the one who has authority. Satan is not interested in what he's promising. He could make all the promises in the world that doesn't matter because he's a liar, a con man, he's a deceiver. Satan here is simply concerned with what he's trying to get. And that's all Satan is ever really concerned about. You see, Satan's chief desire is to lead the hearts of men and women away from God and from God's will for their lives. And in seeking to do that, Satan will promise wealth He'll promise happiness. He'll promise freedom. He'll promise pleasure. He'll promise all the things that the people of this world long for and crave for. But the problem is what Satan promises can never give people what they are truly longing for. And the path that Satan suggests, the path of of sin and, and turning away from God to somehow achieve these things actually ends up robbing us and stealing from us in the end because that's what Satan has come to do. In John 10 and 10, Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes only, only. I'll say it again. The thief comes only to steal and to kill And to destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And regarding Satan and sin, this is the main point that I want to leave with you this morning, that I want you to take with you this morning. And I want you to always remember this point. Perhaps it will be one of the greatest points that you need to hold in your heart and your mind and your soul as you go through this life. Remember it. Keep it in the forefront of your mind because it will save you so much trouble and heartache in life. And this is the point that I want to leave you today. It's this. Sin will always take more than it promises. Someone say amen to that this morning. Sin will always take more than it promises. Sin will promise you freedom, but it will bring you bondage. Sin will promise you pleasure, but I guarantee you that it will bring you much regret in your life. Sin will promise wealth, but it will bring you a true poverty of the soul. Make no doubt, sin has its allure. We all know that. We're all human. We've all been tempted, we've all been tested, we've all fallen prey to the the temptations of this world, and every one of us knows here this morning that sin in the end will always rob you, will always leave you wretched, naked, poor, and pitiful. It will rob you of your dignity, it will rob you of your family. It will rob you of your purity. It will rob you of your conscience. It will rob you of your peace. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your life. And it will rob you of your soul. And I tell you, there is no limit to what sin will rob from you when you begin to chase after it. Are you with me this morning? We're we all on the same page here this morning. There's a quote that I came across this morning or not this morning, sorry, but this week. And it was actually quite telling because this was a person that I truly looked up to in his ministry. And Ravi Zacharias, in his death, and in the days that followed, there were so many things that came out about his life that really discredited much of what he had done very sadly tremendous apologist, a tremendous speaker, tremendous person to to really preach the word of God, but, but his life apparently behind closed doors was, was falling apart in many, many ways. But this is what he said. And I think he probably spoke it out of what he was experiencing, but he said this, he said, make no sorry he said, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay I'll say that again sin will take you farther than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay you know one of the greatest lies of of satan is the lie of freedom come with me do what you want be free have fun you know yolo you've heard that you only live once be free. Enjoy life. Do what you want. But you see, a life of freedom is a life that is lived within the framework of how it's meant to be lived. None of you would want to go down the highway with no rules or regulations on the highway. No speed limit, no passing lanes. You do whatever you want. You know, you wouldn't want to walk into Walmart and say, well, if you want to take something, take it. You're free. You only live once. Do what you want. No. Life is truly free. When it's lived within the confines of how it was meant to be lived. But sin will always rob us. You know, just think of Adam and Eve. You know, they, they lived in the perfection of God's creation. What a moment it must have been like to, to look around. No sin, no, no sickness, no death. Just the perfection of God's creation. And along comes Satan. Satan begins to speak into their ear. Oh, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree. Mm. You know what? God really is trying to withhold something from you that he knows is good for you. He's really trying to keep the best for himself. You know, why why don't you eat? God knows he's holding it back from you because he knows the moment you eat, you're going to become like him, knowing good from evil. And Satan began to really to promise, you know, you're going to be like God, you'll know good from evil. Begin to promise the the goodness of what was going to come, if you but eat. And what happened the moment that they gave in to Satan's promises by disobeying God? What happened to them? In that moment, they realized that they were deceived. They they realized that they were naked. They realized that, that, you know, their innocence had been taken from them. Sin promised far more than it was able to give. You know, when Satan tempted Jesus, he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you will but bow down and worship me. Now, what's the flip side here? Because again, remember, sin always promises more than it's going to give. So if Satan says, you know, Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll but bow down and worship me. What's the flip side here? The flip side is this. Jesus would have to trade the purpose and the reason for which he had come, which was the salvation of mankind. He would have to trade aside what, 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 what you know, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son had set before the beginning of time for the deliverance of mankind. He would have traded all of that for simply the kingdoms, the, the pleasure, the, the, the glory of this temporal passing world. And Satan knew that full well. Satan said all this could be yours. But Jesus knew that what the Father had planned was far greater. And you know, sometimes the promise of sin seems so sweet. But if you're willing and able to step back and to see the bigger picture, you will always see that sin seeks to rob you of something better that God wants to give you. Always his intent. And here's a good example for you this morning. Maybe this can connect a little bit today. If I said that I can give you $1 million right now, or I'll give you a penny, but tomorrow I'll turn that penny into two pennies, and the next day four pennies, and we'll do that for 30 days. Would you take a million dollars in the hand right now, or would you take a penny and for 30 days begin to double that? Now, in case you're trying to do the math in your head, I'll help you out a little bit. On day three, you're only going to have four cents. A million dollars or four cents? Who's for the million dollars? Some of you you are still trying to work this out. If you're still not sure, I'll... I'll give you just a little more help. On day 10, you're only going to have $5.12. A million dollars or $5.12. You've only got 20 days left. What are you going to take? Some of you are thinking that million dollars looks awful good. Now, just in case you're still on the fence, like, listen, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you here. On day 20, I'm trying to help. Like, listen, I'm trying to help you. On day 20... You're only going to have $5,242. I, listen, I wouldn't mind having $5,242, but I'd rather have a million dollars. Day 20, you only got 10 days left. You're going to take the million dollars or else you're going to take the $5,242. Just give me your hands. Who's taking the million dollars? Just show me. Just show me. Got a couple. Come on now. Be honest. You're going to take the million dollars A lot of you are saying, listen, Pastor, day 20, 10 days left, I'm going with the million. It seems like the obvious decision, doesn't it? If you could take a step back and you could begin to see the big picture of what I'm trying to tell you, you would ultimately see that if you continue the math on day 30, you'd have $5,363, not such a good deal after all when you look at the million. If we took a month that was 31 days, you'd have over $10 million. How many now would take the million? Not one, would you? Pastor, give me the penny. Let's start doubling it for a month. Let's, let's go ahead and we'll do that. You know, Proverbs chapter 12, or 14 verse 12, it says, There is a way that appears right. As we were going through that simple illustration, it seemed right to take the million dollars. It's day 20. We've only got 5,000. Why am I going to trade a million for 5,000? There is a way in this world that seems right. But it says in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. I just want to do my own thing. I just want to live my own life. I only live once. But I tell you, sin leads to death. You can talk to the person on the street and they can tell you, listen, it doesn't matter that Bible, forget about that. That's just an old, outdated book. Listen, just enjoy your life. I'm telling you, there's a way that may seem right. There are a lot of things that are being taught in our schools and in our governments and in our world. It seems right in this current day and age. But I'm telling you that sin will always lead to death. It'll never change. No matter how right it seems. This world can proclaim that we all have our own truth, that there is no sin, that there is no wrong, that what's wrong or right in your eyes, well, that's only for you. No, that's not true. It may seem right in this day and age, but it leads to death. It leads to eternal separation from God in a place calm hell. And I'll tell you, that is Satan's ultimate goal for your life. And he will lie, and he will deceive, and he will promise you whatever he has to in life to try to get you there. Hear me this morning. Satan wants to offer you the temporal, momentary pleasures of sin in exchange for the glory of of being with Christ eternally. And the truth this morning is that Satan wants to rob you of the greatest blessing and joy that you could ever experience and know in this life. But I ask you this morning, what can sin offer you that is greater than what Christ died to give you? What can sin offer you today that is greater than what Christ has died to give you. There is nothing. In Mark chapter 8, 36 to 37, he says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit or lose their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus wasn't tempted in the least by the kingdoms of the world. He made the world. He had something far greater in mind than the kingdoms than the material things of this world what good is it for someone to gain the whole world but lose their own soul you know we can exchange money for all kinds of things in this life trips Well, we can't do for trips today really maybe a couple months down the road we can no, trips houses toys possessions but what can you exchange for the eternal salvation of your soul? There's nothing. Because that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. You know, Jim Elliot, a missionary who gave his life trying to reach out to an unreached, isolated tribe in Ecuador. He once said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to keep that which he cannot lose. Listen, we can give every possession, but, but, but let me tell you, if we've got salvation in Christ, we've got it all. Or we can keep every possession, but if we don't have salvation, we have nothing. We're lost. Said so he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. Listen, everything we have is passing. I used to like this soup. it's was getting a bit raggedy. Now I probably got to get another, another couple more. I usually buy them down in Florida. I haven't been in Florida for a long time. It's, it's just a lot cheaper for big guys like me down in Florida. All of the material things we have are passing. How foolish it would be for us to just cling on to, to stuff. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to keep that which he cannot lose. All the world and its splendor. Or the glory of eternity with Christ. I think I'll take the second. I think I'll take the second. George George W. Truitt, a well-known pastor, was invited to dinner in a home of a, a very wealthy man in Texas. After the meal, the host led him to a place where they could get a good view of the surrounding area. Pointing to the oil wells, punctuating the landscape, he he boasted, 25 years ago I had nothing. Now as far as you can see, it's all mine. Looking in the opposite direction at his sprawling fields of grain, he said, that's all mine. Turning east toward huge herds of cattle, he bragged, they're all mine. Then pointing to the west and a beautiful forest, he exclaimed, that too is all mine. He paused, expecting Dr. Truett to compliment him on his great success. Truett, however, placing one hand on the man's shoulder and pointing heavenward with the other, simply said, how much do you own in that direction? The man hung his head and confessed. He said, I never thought of that. never thought of that. All the glory of this world is not worth trading for the salvation of our soul. Jesus responded to Satan. He said, away from me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, all through this series we've been talking about our purpose in life and each step of the way we've, we've always come back to the same conclusion over and over again that, that true life and hope and peace and joy and purpose are found in nothing else and no one else except for Jesus Christ because he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, worship the Lord and serve him only. Amen. I promise you this morning that if you make that your purpose in life, it will be the one decision that you will never regret. You know, Sin will always take more than it promises. But Christ always gives more. Than we're worthy of. Isn't that a beautiful exchange? Sin will always promise more than it will give, but Jesus will always give more than we're worthy of. You see, He gave His life for you and for me while we were yet sinners, that whoever believes and calls upon His name, they shall. Be saved. And I tell you this morning that that's the only promise that you can take to the bank. There's no deceit in that. There's no tricks in that on God's behalf. There's no hidden agendas. Jesus Christ died for sinful men that in Him we might have eternal life. And You will only ever begin to know and to fulfill your purpose in life When you come into a relationship with Jesus, that's the starting point. It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of trust. It's a a journey of following our Lord through every season of life. You know, to be or not to be. That's not the question this morning. The better question is, will we truly surrender our life to Christ? And I know this morning that in this room I'm talking to many people who've been in the church for many years. But I'll tell you today, being in the church for many years does not equate to fully surrendering your life to Jesus either. Greatest question that any of us will answer in this room and to those who are watching online in this moment is will we surrender all of our life to Jesus Christ or are we going to try to keep hanging on to the promises of what, of what sin is saying it's going to give us? Trying to keep one foot serving the Lord and one foot in the world because you don't want to miss something on either side. It doesn't work that way. True life comes when we surrender to Jesus. In Him, we are a new creation. In Him, we are born again. In Him, we have the promise of eternal life. Will we surrender our life to Christ and serve Him only? The answer to that question will determine the purpose that you find in this life. I pray that your heart will be open to him. I pray if you've been someone who's sort of been on the fence, you've been trying to live both lives, I pray that you'll make a decision that today you're going to be fully devoted to the Lord. You're going to give it all to him. Because I'll tell you, trying to live on both sides of the fence will rob you of more joy and peace and contentment than if you were in the world in sin. Because there's an extra hardening of the heart that happens when you try to be in sin, yet somehow trying to serve the Lord. Listen, serve Him only. Surrender wholly to the Lord. And find your true purpose in walking with him. He invites you today. He longs for you to come. And to give your all to him.